Ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons, welcome back to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by the myth, the legend, the Scott of Vector Sigma. How you doing, Scott? Good, how are you? Doing well. So uh, just to give everybody a heads up for this episode, if for whatever reason you happen to hear anything weird or anything, we're trying something a little bit different technically on the back end, so... Let us know if you have any problems or if you get any weird audio cutouts, just so we know for next time around. Yep. So this is going to probably, or we're going to try and intend to do this as a speed run because, well, we actually both have some upcoming events to test for, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, there's a there's a tournament by me on Saturday giving out a case. So uh, I'm going to try to get some testing in tomorrow night. So Yeah, we both Hopefully, have a... Yeah, I definitely have a lot of work to put in myself as well for the same event. So it kind of circles back to a, a refrain or a broken recording that we've had over pretty much every episode. And that's specifically get out there, play the game, talk to people that you think might be interested in the game, talk to your local store, talk to all these people, because it's important to make sure that people are aware that there are other people playing the game. It, it's very easy for someone to go get really hyped up and then lose interest because, uh, well, there's nobody to play with, my friends aren't into it, my spouse isn't into it, whatever. But when you find out, oh, well, there's people been asking at the store or my, this store near me is running events, well, that's how you meet new people and get involved in the game. So definitely make sure you're reaching out. We're super excited that our semi-local places, this, this one's a little bit farther for me personally, uh, are running these bigger events it's really exciting yeah it's definitely um I, this is one of the I, I as far as i can tell this is the the largest prize pool i've seen in an event so far right um, we have another one similar to this at the end of the month um that was actually announced before this one but um this is the largest i've seen so far i think the best thing about uh partially what you said in my experience with other new games is uh the game is i guess pretty readily available again i mean there was like a short period of time where it was kind of sold out everywhere but at the second wave kind of came out so hopefully people aren't having issues like getting the cards they need through packs or through other people so right. hopefully that's not a big factor of uh of, of events in the area because i know like a few weeks ago some people might have said you know oh uh, there was like you know a power difference between the people that had bought a bunch of stuff versus people that couldn't get a hold of it so right hopefully we've passed that in the game and there's pretty regular stuff available yeah I, I would like to say that enough people have opened enough product that it it has two effects one there's the obvious card availability more packs are open there are more cards but that also long term helps suppress singles prices if there's just more cards available uh, so yeah that way like you said it's not I show up oh, well, they have Super Rare Bumblebee or Super or Nemesis Prime, and I get smashed because I'm playing the starter deck. It's At least you had the opportunity to acquire these things, either through trading or purchasing or whatever the case may be. Yeah, we could probably do a whole show on the, on the secondary market. But oh, like, believe me. You know, <laughs> the, the stuff is available. I don't think it's... A, I mean, I've seen singles prices be kind of suppressed recently, so yeah. hopefully uh, it'll be all right. Yeah, it's... And I did see, not to digress too much because we want to get yes. into the big stuff, but I did see a couple of posts where people were lamenting that fact, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. If it, if people are buying enough sealed product that they don't necessarily need to buy singles, well, 
that's still a good thing because then people have huge collections and come play. Uh, it's not necessarily indicative of anything unhealthy. Uh, so, no, and I've actually seen the battle cards come up in price for some of the premium ones. And, right. and as some of the bots have gone down, some of the battle cards have gone up, which is complete opposite of the way the game was originally. And I think a right. lot of it is probably like people like me who I like to have six to nine of every card yeah. to have decks together. I'm it's probably a big part of that, but... You know. Well, at the same time, it's also you need more copies of it. Once you have your rare Optimus, you don't need another yep. copy. And that's much yeah. more readily swappable than... It, I know for me, it's just irritating to have to sit there and swap a rollout into 50,000 decks. Oh yeah, totally. So, But uh, aside from the uh, secondary market digression, <laughs> we'll jump back <laughs> into some of the other news items. So big shout out to the WTF at TFW crew. Uh, I listen to their podcast all the time for general Transformers stuff, but they this is now their second interview with the actual Transformers TCG team. And they just did an interview with Drew, the brand manager. And I would suggest everybody go listen to it just so you hear it firsthand, uh, just to give you the, the Cliff Notes version, we'll put it that way, of what was involved. He did drop some interesting knowledge. So, obviously, with Metroplex, which we're going to get to momentarily coming out, there was a big deal as far as future-proofing. So, the mechanic that I think we all can see it. He, Drew did not say this, but let's face it. The mechanic and how the minibots work for Metroplex can very easily be ported to Soundwave and Blaster. I think... Do you agree with that, Scott? Do you foresee it going a totally different direction? I know it's speculation yeah. territory, but... Yeah, I think he basically said that. Um, his big... The big thing that I got out of it when he was saying that exact thing was that he was excited about that they have such low star values on the, what we'll call, mini-cons. Right. Um, that they were playable outside of um, having to put them into play the alternate way through Metroplex. Which he thought was the biggest innovation of it. Like, you know, you were basically able to get, you know, the best of both worlds. Right. Uh, you, you were able to use them in, in regular decks and then have them uh, be an advantage for Metroplex. The other thing I got out of it was <clears throat> he... So to answer your question, yes. I mean, I think that's how it's going to work mm. for, um, for Soundwave and Blaster. Um, the other big thing I think that I got out of it was he... He kind of said, so not only did he say that the, the templating was there uh, for this type of thing, I, I lost my train of thought. What else he said? <laughs> it, was, it struck me as a, so go on, sorry. I'll, I'll, it'll come oh, that's right. Yeah, just interrupt me. So one of the other <laughs> pieces that wasn't directly new, it didn't really give us a whole lot to go on, but one of the things that's come up is all of the existing cards, character cards, were from previous games. Uh, it was Transformers Legends, I think, was the name of it. I know you played it before, Scott. Yeah, it was Transformers Legends and Transformers Rising was where the, a lot of the art right. came from. And I, I, put a, I put a link, actually, to a site that still has all those pictures nice. on the Vector Sigma Facebook page, if you're looking for that. Okay, yeah, they are fantastic pieces of art. And all of the battle card art came from the comics. But Metroplex, the deck itself, the, I guess the starter, the whatever you want to call it, actually commissioned new art, which is unique for the game, obviously, having reused a lot of those assets. What Drew mentioned is that there are going to be a hundred, or he has already commissioned 160 brand new art pieces. So, 
all those people out there that I'm not sure why people are chicken littling already, but obviously they're going to use that stuff, meaning new cards, new sets. How he didn't give any indication as the breakdown. Obviously, you know, a character card would use two pieces of art, but maybe somebody out there can figure out the math of how that would break down. Uh, I didn't feel like doing it before the show, but I wanted to drop that in there. Uh, the other thing that also will put to rest a lot of fears, if you have not already listened to this, or if you did and you missed it, allegedly Drew and Matt Tabak are going to be at PAX Unplugged, and not only are they going to be at PAX Unplugged, there are going to be constructed events, and there are things to look forward to. I know it's been a recurring theme in a lot of the groups and a lot of conversations that you know, we we had something, then we lost it, then nobody knows what's going on, and we haven't seen anything official yet. Something is going to happen. Like I said, you can check out the WTF at TFW interview with Drew. You can hear it. It's towards the end of it, but there's a lot of cool stuff that he talks about, about what went on behind the scenes for Metroplex. It's definitely a good listen. It's only about 50 minutes, so it's probably shorter than most of our shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, anything else from the interview stand out to you, Scott, right away before we move on to Metroplex himself? No, there's definitely the art piece that stood out to me. Mm. Um, I think he said that the, the three mini cons are all new commissioned art right. in this. And he went, they had some like, I don't know, off topic about six gun and like, uh, yeah, what he does or what he is or something like that. And, right. you know, about, about the, um, the non-transforming, Slammer and how how yeah how they handled that right and they talked about some lore aspects with some of the titans and things like that so it was it was it was I would say it was you know how do I say it I, I don't think it was a, I actually was it wasn't as short on TCG strategy as I initially thought it was I actually thought it, it got a lot better as as it went on like I thought mm. Drew had so a good handle on um like how Metroplex should play out and things like that which gave me a lot of hope for how they've play tested the game. And then I didn't think that the other guys like, I mean, they're not seasoned TCG veterans, but they knew enough of like TCG lingo from other games to actually, right. I thought like hold their own, you know, at a decent strategy level, I thought. So I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was pretty decent for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely good. So head on over to, or look up WTF at TFW. Uh, they're over on TFW 2005. Shout out to them for putting that together. I'm sure they're going to do more. It sounded like they're going to try and get Drew or other team members back on the show once, you know, there's other stuff, other new stuff to talk about. So Yeah, I'm uh, glad it translates to that other media pretty well for, like, the right. the, the toy and IP fans, not just uh, TCG players. Exactly. Yeah, it's good to bring all those people in because, as we said before, we're getting a lot of people that aren't jumping from card game to card game. We're getting a lot of people that this is their first card game and maybe their only card game ever, so... Uh, it's he, he did say it was mind. selling really well, doing really well. They had like a lot of stuff planned and things like that. Yep. So I, I was, you know, for for an outreach, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. So uh, speaking of that interview and their main topic, let's talk about Metroplex because he did officially get revealed. He's coming out on the 16th, so a little under two weeks at the time of this recording. If you're watching the video, I do have the Metroplex uh, flyer up. So. Quick recap, you get Metroplex, he's humongous. Like, takes up half the table big. Uh, yeah. He comes with three brand new character cards, Six Gun, Slammer, and Scamper. Uh, and then you will get 40 battle cards. 
three of which, and you get a play set of these, of all of them, three of them are brand new, and they, we're going to go over them in a, in a moment, but it's Rally the City, Height Advantage, and Protected by Metroplex. Now, real quick, Metroplex, I'm going to throw them up here. Bot mode is the big splashy part where when you attack and you flip two of each battle icon, you tap down your opponent's side of the board and hit them all for one. Now, I think they called it in the interview, it was his ultimate attack or the ultimate attack, which I think is very fitting. Yeah. So his other side is how you get or explains how you get those mini bots out. And again, like Scott was saying earlier, you can use them in other builds. So they can go in, and the, one of the ones that came up in the interview was Rare Megatron Demolisher Slammer, because then you can still run a three-wide tank, but with Rare Megatron instead of Dark Mount. I don't know if you'll want to do that, because <laughs> Dark Mount's pretty good, uh, but that's a different discussion. So point being is when you flip to alt mode with Metroplex, you can slide out one of those mini-bots and drop them on the board. Uh, and then that's how the the game will play out. You start out with just Metroplex, and then you go from there. So, initial thoughts, Scott. Were you, or are you excited to try and play something with Metroplex? Yeah, I'm excited to try it out. Um, to me, he's like the ultimate math problem of the game, because mm. um, to me, Dex, there's three ways that you can play him, uh, in my opinion, and I feel like one is definitely best. Um, I do remember the other thing from Drew, so remind me and I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, uh, the the two easy ways are to either play him very defensively, like you can play him basically as what I like to call like as the city and he protects the other bots and they do a lot of the heavy lifting. Right. Uh, so he, he's always tapped, you have a lot of blues in your deck, you probably would want to stay in city mode and it's kind of like a controlish deck like that. I wouldn't recommend that probably be the, the, the worst way to play him. Right. Um, you can you can play the heavy heavy aggressive version because he already has so much built in bold. So you can play a very heavy aggressive version with a lot of oranges and basically just be attacking. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like how people play like aggressive Cosmos decks and basically just use the twenty one health that Cosmos has as like an engine to like stay alive even though he has bad defense and then his ability kicks in like. Yeah, you just one so, time maybe. Yeah. yeah, if you get it once, then great. If not, you know, you live without it. Yeah, and I could see people trying to play Metroplex in a similar way. Um, you basically just use him as like thirty-five help reserve with a six plus a bunch of bold, bold from the two mini bots that give it to him, bold from height advantage, bold from flamethrower, and other ways that you would just do that naturally, and then basically just. Every time he attacks, he should be one-shotting guys. Right. Um, or at least doing decent damage. And then uh, you have 35 health to soak. Um, I just That's not the way I would run it, but I think that might be an option um, out there. And then the third way is basically trying your hardest to take advantage of his, his uh, ultimate ability as often as possible. That's the way I intend to try and do it, at least at first. You being the, the math guy... Uh, to me, it seems super difficult to... I think you can reasonably hit 8 cards every attack, maybe 10, but hitting an exact 6 off the top of my head, I can't do that math in my head, and I have not sat down to try and do it. So, do you so feel you that's reasonable? You don't, have to, you don't have to do the math. Um, this guy, Enrico, I think is his first name, he, on the Facebook group, he actually created... Uh, this is math even, I don't understand, like topography math that you use in like maps and stuff oh wow and he was able to like chart things out basically like 
um, the amount of the basic calculation is like amount of doubles in your deck versus amount of singles with the amount of bold. And essentially the long and short of it is like, if you have bold two, so like a flamethrower or a couple of guys out or something like that, you have a 50, 50 chance of hitting it. If you use six of each double card, including rollout and the matrix okay, um, in your deck. Um, and then once you get to bold four, like with the, the height advantage card, it's something like 70%. This, of course, does not count cards you already have in play, which can make this easier, like data pad or mm. basically just knowing what's left in your deck because you're going to have to be constantly be doing that. Right. Um, and then, like, once you have, like, bold six, like, if you combine the the height advantage with a flamethrower, it's something like 80% chance of hitting it. So here's so, an, an interesting point, not to, to break your train of thought, but... So Drew was in that interview talking about, and you mentioned their thought process behind how they designed it. If the percentages are that high, my initial thought is that is the intended play pattern for him. I mean, it, that would seem obvious given that he has the ability, but it's in, in a lot of card games, you know, just because something shows this way doesn't mean that that's the intended design. And it could just be, you know, for the for splashy, flashy, this is a huge dude with a cool effect. But if it's in, if it's that consistent, I feel that those other two builds that you were talking about, the the orange heavy or the blue heavy versions, are probably not going to work if this is the intended play pattern. Obviously, the design team did this math as well. I'm sure. Well, he mentioned in his so he so I've seen two ways of playing it. He hmm. mentioned basically you you use the ability to keep the mini cons alive, and they do the mop up duty. Yes, that's that's one way of playing it, and that what I think is the quote intended way of playing it. But the other way I've seen it play is basically if you don't think you can actually get the ability off, like you can't transform back, like you didn't have a transform card, or you can't, um, you don't have the right bolt set up. Like you want to always, let's just say, have bolt six, and you only have two, or you. Only, I would say if you had four, it's fine. But let's just say you only have two, and you you look through your scrap pile, and you don't think there's a good chance of you hitting it. Um, you, if you want to basically wait a turn, you, you use the mini cons as sacrificial lambs to your opponent because the way the game plays, and I guess for some reason I didn't think of this at first, but like it plays like a normal game. So like if he transforms, gets the mini con out, it's still your turn. You just attack with the mini con, and now they have to attack him. Right now they they may be able to waste a worthless attack, but you may have them in a situation where they have to waste a decent attack. It feels like so, it's just buying... It, well, I guess is where you're going with it. You just want to buy time until Metroplex is officially online. Yes. I don't, Unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of permanent ways to do that. Other than, like, the most efficient way I can see is basically always having a flamethrower out and then, um, like, having a data pad and a flamethrower out to try to smooth it out. Right. Yeah, no, you're not going to draw an action card all the time. So. Right. Notably, he is ranged, so unfortunately you don't get Power Sword or things like that to try and get the extra bowl. Uh, and currently there's no way to cheat those things onto him in any capacity, so you're, you're stuck with, like you said, flamethrower, data pad sort of things to try and force it, and then hopefully you, know, you can just rifle through your uh, scrap pile to make sure, yes, there are enough things for me to actually do this. Yeah, a couple things I'll say is the margin for error with him is basically 0%. Like, you cannot yeah. make a single mistake or you just lose. Absolutely. Um, 
because he's definitely going to get beat on. Like if you go first, he's going to get beat on on their second turn. Now, it's not as bad as people make it out to be because you have to remember that your opponent only gets to play one card and transform one character total during right. his entire everybody gets to attack as opposed to the normal second turn where they would that's all they would get to do anyway. But because they have to attack with everybody, most of their bots are not going to be attacking in the, the quote, correct form to attack in. So a lot of people right. are saying, like, Insecticons will just rip them apart. Well, that's not true because they all want to be transformed into, into bot mode, yeah. and you're only going to get one of them in that mode. Exactly, and I believe all of them only have a base three attack, which, yes, if you are playing the build that we're going to talk about later on, they... You know they're going to be flipping a lot of oranges, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're flipping enough oranges to close the game out before Metroplex is actually online. Yeah, and remember, Metroplex has six double blues in his deck, and probably like four to five single blues in his deck, along with six orange blues in his deck. So like, he's not going to just constantly take only rent one damage from his arm. Right. So. Plus um, 35 health. Like, yeah. that takes... I don't... For those of you out there who haven't played against Cosmos, who has only 21 health, it can still take several turns to get through it. It all depends on how things shake out and what the builds are. But 35 health is a lot, especially because every other turn, at least, you're going to be plopping out one of the other bots to possibly eat up an attack. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, speaking of the... Other cards, not necessarily the other bots. Uh, the first one up is Height Advantage. So that's the one that gives him both four. Obviously, this one gets played. Uh, yep. I don't see any version of Metroplex, no matter what you're talking about, that's not playing this. Agreed. So I I know we don't want to just say, yep, it's an auto-include, but it kind of is. So <laughs> it is. Now, it has a blue pip. I don't know if that is relevant to anybody, but it does change your math. You know, the... Do I want to include other things that are blue or happen to have blue? Uh, moving from there is protected by Metroplex. So this one might garner a little more discussion. This is an orange pip. It's a utility. If the upgraded character would take damage, instead Metroplex eats it. I'm in agreement with you. My initial thought is all of the, the three minibots are there to stand in front and play Meat Shield not necessarily Metroplex meat shield for them. Maybe long-term that'll change, but my initial thought is I don't really want this. Yeah, I agree. I don't so, think it's good at all. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Just as an aside, my lovely wife helped me out because I didn't prepare for the show properly. But those of you on the stream can now see my generation's Metroplex, which, by the way, this thing is three feet tall. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Be prepared when you get the card, because it's it's pretty big also. So, I'll bring them up later on in the show. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Metro, protected by Metroplex, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it, unless all of a sudden the minibots are the main thing. One aside, going back to Metroplex, he does actually specifically reference certain versions of these guys. So, for example, it's Scamper City Patrol. If there is a scamper later on that has a different subtitle, I don't think you can play it with him, and therefore I, I'm very curious long-term if we get another scamper, whether it'll be the same thing or what it'll look like. Yeah, that... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think, the, but the card, like you said, references this specific one, so that's the one he gets out from his ability. Exactly. So unless they decide yeah. to literally give it the same title at, from here on forever, it'll be, you know. And before I go too far on, you do you still remember what you were talking about that brought, came up in the interview? Yeah, so what was interesting was basically, it's it's the thing we've talked about before, like the Minotaur, like time the master type of thing. Right. So he even mentioned that he felt like the rules they designed are so... I think I think eloquent is the word he used, or simple, like but simple yet eloquent type of situation that um, you know he was able to. They were able to just create these mini cons and make them usable cards just by changing their star values down, and therefore they were still playable. They were right. basically able to use a, a normal transform ability and um, have them be put into play because the rules specifically state you're only allowed to have 25 stars at the beginning of the game. It doesn't say that you're not allowed to have 25 stars as the game progresses. Yep. It just says, like, in the beginning of the game. So, like, basically they were just able to... There's no, like, special rules here. Yep. It, the cards just play out the way they, they are, and I think that... It's very elegant. Yeah. So if they do that with, like, you know, cassettes or, you know, how they're going to wind up doing combiners and things like that, like... It's. It seems like it's all going to be the text on the cards are going to define them. Yep. Because they already have a basic way of, you know, playing the game. It's. It's you know, RTFC. Exactly. Years, you know. Absolutely. It is something interesting that. So somebody had brought up in the group, uh, one of the Facebook groups, talking about. So if they had triple changers, they were showing other card games, including other Wizards card games, of how they handled rotating cards. So basically, one side was entirely one card, but on the other side, the top half was one and the bottom half was another. So you would rotate the card, like flip it upside down 180 degrees, uh, or completely turn it over in order to trigger those things. I'm very curious what they're going to do when Astro Train, Blitzwing, Springer show up, or even Six Shot. Uh, given what they're doing here, I'm inclined to believe that it's just going to be when you flip to this mode, change for this other card, and then like it'll come from out of play, sort of thing. Um, because I think that would be the simplest and cleanest thing, rather than having like I can't imagine how they would do, for example, six shot and like chop it up into three pieces on each side. That just it doesn't seem to fit with their mo. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but I think the 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 top and bottom card thing may may happen. That is, yeah, that's much more reasonable for a triple changer or something. The it, when you get to six or higher, or even combiners, uh, I could definitely see them going. Okay, well, when you flip to this mode, remove all of them from play, put Devastator in or something like that. Yeah, that's the way I would think it would work. Right. So, well, speculation aside, we have the the third ability for Metroplex, and that's Rally the City. This is your white pip one. It's another action. If you have Metroplex on the battlefield, draw a card for each character you have on the battlefield. This one, I'm, it's compared to the other two I was fairly confident about. This one I'm a little in between about because I think you can reasonably expect to draw two, which is fine. I mean, that's before you get into the white pip math. But do you like this one for Metroplex builds? No, but I'm not big on card drawing, so... Right. Like, I'm the wrong, I'm, like, the wrong one to ask. I just think it takes up, I don't think you want to be taking up your action phase doing this. Mm -hmm. um, it's only probably ever going to draw two cards, and, like, so you're basically just cycling it. Right. And 
between wanting to trans like the way I see him playing out, the only way you're actually going to get so I the way I look at it is ideally the only way to actually get a mini bot into play is through a transform effect card, not through his actual flipping twice because you never want to be attacking in city mode. Absolutely. So unless you're going to be dedicated to the whole, uh, I'm going to get out of mini bot and sacrifice him. Like, so he does absolutely nothing but get one attack in. There's no chance of him basically surviving. Although I have seen the tank one survive. Uh, I mean, three defense times, makes it possible. Yeah. yeah. So if you're dedicated to that plan, you're, if you're going to flip normally without just the use of a transform card, yeah, like, then maybe you would draw three cards at one point. But I don't see that. Like, if you always want to be transforming through a card effect, that's your action phase of the turn, and I'm not going to be, like, playing Brainstorm in this deck in all likelihood. So, like, I don't yeah. want to have these Christmas land scenarios where I'm transforming back and all this kind of stuff and doing multiple things. So, right. like, to me, like, I would rather play um, backup plan than this almost every single time. Yeah, I think that's and fair. So, like, you're going to want Rapid Conversion force field you're going to want backup plan like there's even if you need a, a few more whites there's probably better ones to use well data pad we already brought up yeah mm -hmm. it, it, there are a number yeah, of good point. I, the only scenario where this is and i don't know if this would really work out is if you somehow manage to draw enough cards maybe not necessarily through this but just in general to sit on them and then somehow because i thought about this before we knew all the cards like months and months ago a strategy potentially is I'm going to just literally hold half my deck in my hands and then that way I know exactly what cards are cycling. I don't think there's enough card draw, like vol volume-wise card draw, to be able to pull something like that off right now. With him being 25 stars and the way that they get to attack all the time, it, you, won't, you won't survive doing that. That's the problem. Exactly, yeah. So I think, I think you've convinced me that this one isn't worth it. Um, and... I especially can lean into the idea that there are, you're, you would go overboard on the white pips if you went much farther than that. Yeah, I think the math shows six of all the doubles, four, literally four or five only singles of, on each side, and then the rest of whites, which is like 12 to 13 or something like that. Makes sense. So... So uh, moving from the abilities, we actually have the bots. So Scamper is a... 3-4-1 ranged, when you flip to this mode and have Metroplex, scrap an enemy weapon or armor. Whereas on his alt mode, where he's going to deploy out from, he's a car melee, so car being relevant. He's four stars, 2-4-2, two, two, and Metroplex has bold one. Obviously, in the Metroplex builds, I anticipate he's going to spend the majority of his life in uh, alt mode. Like I don't anticipate he's really ever going to end up in bot mode, unless there's like really weird emergency yeah it's it's our whole like does destroying a weapon do anything conversation we've had about other characters yep do you and, uh, oh god destroying an armor could be relevant but i don't think it's all that relevant right i mean there there are going to be edge cases of course but in general it's not going to be that big of a deal plus the bold one is clearly very relevant for ensuring that you get your metroplex triggers yep so I guess the ancillary question is, do you foresee four wide cars with Cliff Jumper now becoming a bigger thing than three wide with, say, Bumblebee, Wheeljack, and uh, and Prowl, which seems to be the typical build right now? 
Uh, it's playable. It's not as good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, because they're just not as powerful, and right. you're not really um, how do I say it? Like you're not really getting a a lord type effect out of this. Like it's not like Cliff Jumper gives all cars plus one plus one or something like that. He just gets a little bit bigger and allows you to draw more cards. Like right to me, it's not like the biggest deal in the world that I had to fit three other cars in one of which like why are you ever going to transform this guy like does it i guess does he have better stats in bot mode like he's three one yeah which is kind of pathetic right so like i I don't know like it's one thing i I do think it's important to have low star characters and it's it's important to have like there's a lot of value in forcing your opponent into an attack that they would not want to make normally but like you're not getting much value back out of this. So, like, I just think the three wide version is just more powerful, but I'm sure people will try it. Well, I'm sure it'll show up as well. If there's ever a swarm for cars, which I guess people can make the argument that Cliff Jumper is that, uh, but if there was a, a something that actually counted the number of cars you have, obviously that would push this. But right now, I think I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not sold on powering up cliff jumper when even in the three wide car build you can kind of do the same thing with bumblebee and off the top of my head without i gotta i would have to pull them up but he might actually have better stats than cliff jumper at that point um i know he has more armor but it, it just doesn't feel it's good to have the option but i think the idea and the premise is cooler than the actual implementation in this case yeah, I think the better home is actually putting these three mini cons with like two other guys and going five wide. To be honest with you, that would be very interesting. Uh, but speaking of the other mini cons, so six gun is a four five zero ranged in bot mode. When you flip to this mode, Metroplex gets bolt two until end of turn, and then alt mode he's a two five one that when he attacks, or excuse me, when Metroplex attacks, he automatically deals one to the defender. I mean. Outside of Metroplex, I'm not really sure. He doesn't have any other tags, so he's not fitting into anything tribal. Uh, everything else specifically relies on Metroplex. I don't particularly see this guy showing up anywhere unless, like you said, there's a five-wide deck somewhere. Yeah, because he has no like um, relevant mode or whatever. Exactly. Because he's, he's ranged, I guess. Yeah. Um, what's the like? Do you know how it works? Like, say they have one hit point left, and you attack with, and you put six shot out, like. Does Metroplex ability even get to? He doesn't even get to flip cards, right? Like so. Yeah, they die this immediately. Hurt, this can act, this can hurt you. Yeah. By not even getting to put his ability off. That's what I don't really like about him. Yeah. Um. I mean, you'd probably want to once you get him out, and this is going to be awkward because it takes multiple turns to set up. So you flip into alt mode, get six gun out, then yeah. you want to flip him to get the bowl to power up Metroplex. It feels like he's definitely going to fall into the. I'm a body to stand in front category. Yeah, which is why I've seen some people like be proxying the deck and um, they get him like he's not the first one they get out. And that's what surprised me because to me, he's like the clear sacrificial lamb, like you said. Yeah. And then once you get the other stuff up and running, you know, they, for example, our next one, Slammer, gives Metroplex static bold one. You want to get more uses out of that if you can help it. Right. Right. So he's a, a tank. He's ranged 333. Notably, he's a drone. So he doesn't actually have a different mode. He's only in alt mode. 
Uh, but when you deploy him from under Metroplex, you hit your opponent's board for one. And then he also gives Metroplex bold one. So obviously we mentioned it before, Triple Tanks now has an alternative version. I'm not sold yet that it's better than Dark Mount, because this guy is, despite the three armor, he still only has three health. Like, he's not lasting very long. No, I just think he's solid in general, just because mm. I mean there there are situations where like in a, if you want to if you had some kind of four wide defensive deck, um, three armor to start with is pretty gigantic, and you could probably get him up to decent right uh, decent levels. Like this, this to me is the best of the three, like on their own. Yes, that I can um, agree with because there are certain builds that um, he can actually survive a hit from. Yeah. So. Well, one thing to keep in mind is on the first or second turn of the game, you could certainly chew up two attacks. Like It's not out of the realm of possibility that your opponent you know, may just flip poorly, or if you are defensively built, that you could soak the first attack and force them to waste a second one. Like that, It's probably not very likely, but it's not something that's you know way out there, I don't think. No, yeah, I think it's fine. So... So that's the entirety of the Metroplex deck, which, like we said, you can pick up in the very near future. I know I'm intending to. It's going to be legal for the event later this month. I don't know if I'm going to play this, but maybe I will just for, for the giggles. Because uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it does seem like it's going to be a lot of fun. And it is cool that it... While I was kind of excited at the prospect of them doing like a raid deck where it's everybody versus Metroplex... I think it's good that they just, you know, this is just a supplementary, we'll call it a set. Uh, yeah, it's good for the game that, that they allowed it to be this way yep. um, and gave you, a, a, like, a decent amount of playable cards that may, that will, it sounds like, more likely fill in holes later because as they start to release more low-star characters, like, you can probably go, like, you know, six wide or something or more ridiculousness so right when they were when they release even more so um you know i think it, it'll just and i also think he'll obviously get better as more double cards are released unless they introduce new colors and then obviously they won't help as much but like right. um if they release more double cards of any type he'll only get better yeah um, although somebody the else where, there was another post with the map as far as there's an upper limit which I didn't read. I got to go back and reread. Of so that's Enrico's second post where he actually okay. that's the that's the topographic math where he shows like these cards don't exist yet. Like you can't right. do this yet. But right, if right. you could, this is how you'd want to do it. And basically, it's like you know, it's very few. Like you know, you only want to run singles because the cards themselves are just better than like probably whatever the doubles would do. Right. So Another improvised shield is probably not yeah. too exciting. Right. So it's it's things like that, but like assuming that the cards had any value at all, like it, there's a there's a sweet spot that you'd want to run with probably like three singles because you definitely want to run um height advantage and things like that. So Right, right. And flamethrower and stuff like that. So. Naturally. And it it is of note that height advantage specifically calls out the Titan tag. So it's yep. a Titan tribal card, obviously implying that we will see future Titans. Uh that did come up in the interview as well. I don't think anyone, any Transformers fan who knew, have any idea who the Titans were or are, did not expect that to happen, but 
presumably we're going to see Trypticon and the other city bots, city formers at some point. He mentioned like 12 of them. I didn't remember 12 Titans, to be honest with you. That's I only know the, the main four, I guess. you. I guess there's like four that I know of. I don't right. even I didn't know there were 12. Well, there, there's a bunch of stuff in the comics that directly relate to the Titans. Uh, so okay. without spoiling too much, there are, well, 13 primes, Titan for each prime kind of thing. Uh, oh, okay. In this case, because of the, you know, it, it has the, the fall from grace story about yeah. one of them being a bad guy. That's why there's 13. So It's not Trypticon? <laughs> it, well, I mean, I'm sure Trypticon will be in there. I mean, yeah. Dude, oh, yeah. He's not the one that fell from grace? Cause, like, oh, no, no, no. He's uh, He is independent. Oh, okay, because uh, in in Titans Return, the cartoon, like, he's definitely the bad guy or whatever. Yeah. Well, he's actually, to, not to digress too far, but Trypticon showed up in a lot of recent media. So he was in the video game Fall of Cybertron. Uh, Megatron is horrible. To, well, he was in War for Cybertron and then in Fall of Cybertron. Without spoiling that, Megatron was horrible to him. Uh, <laughs> it kind of ties into the Transformers Prime cartoon uh, where it's implied that what happens in Fall of Cybertron to Trypticon, like that is still Trypticon. Uh, mm. He has been showing up with, with a lot of regularity, and I, I, can, I should have pulled them down too to go with Metroplex, because I have those on the shelf over in the other room. Um, <laughs> I had to get a replacement because as a kid I'd beat it up and none of the electronics work anymore. Yeah, I had him and Scorponok when I was a kid. Nice. And I, I mentioned in, a, I think, our first episode, I never actually bought the Fortress Maximus, but... I think my wallet would have liked me to have bought it as a kid nowadays. So. Well, yeah, if you, if you had that now, it would be a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> you may so, not have it for very long. Cause, uh, no, yeah. I, think eBay, I think eBay would have for a while now. Right, right. So I think, unless you have anything else to add on Metroplex, I think that sums up our initial Titan discussion until we can get the cards in our hands and actually mess around with them. Yeah, I just hope he's, I hope he's playable. He seems, I will say that, like, Having watched a few videos of of him being used, I think not ideally, like with the deck construction, it's definitely you have to play differently than you're used to playing, and you have to build deck, decks differently than you're used to building. Absolutely. Um, but I think I think if in the hands of a player that can do both, I think it has more play than people are giving it credit for. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and I I can definitely agree with you. It's gonna. And it's both a it's a double edged sword that it requires such a wildly different play pattern. But it is cool that oh well, I don't want to do things the normal way. I can do Metroplex sort of thing if you want to go for a totally different experience. So uh, speaking of things that well, people are claiming beat up on Metroplex, we're going to dive into the things that were eating him in the '86 movie, and those are the Insecticons. So. The list that we have up right now was actually shared on one of the 10,000 Facebook groups by Mark Kenny. Uh, the, main, the main one. Is it the main one? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it got reposted to a lot of other places as well, or at least the list. So um, that was definitely where it originally was. As far as I know, as of yesterday when I pulled this down, it was still up there. Uh, it is what I feel, and Scott, correct me if you feel differently. This is your baseline Insecticon build. Obviously, you could have tweaks, but this is probably where you want to start. Yeah, there's like three or four cards different even now mm -hmm. um, because Mark lives not far from me and we talk all the time. So I know there's a few cards that are different now. Um, less reliance on all-out attack for those of you that don't feel like spending a zillion dollars. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I think he added like a data pad or two or something like that. Um, but yeah, we can talk about this as like the general list. Right. And why, why I believe it's like the way you should start your builds and things like that. So why don't you take it from there? If, if, and just to preface this for everybody out there, because we do have, as we said before, a lot of people listening that aren't necessarily card game aficionados or people that have been playing games for a long time. Or even if you have, it's always worth you know setting the stage for what the discussion is. These sort of decks in Insecticons are going to be something that goes into your gauntlet. So you come up with a cool new deck, you want to try it, because, you know, like, I had an idea for Ramjet the other night. I need to throw it against Dinobots, Cars, Insecticons, because if you're not tall enough to ride that ride, you're not, there's there's not really a, it, this is if you're talking competitively. If you want to play Kitchen Table, by all means, play whatever. But if you're going to go into a tournament, and expect to actually come away with some W's in your pocket, you need to make sure that you can compete with these sort of builds. And it's not a matter of building in your Insecticon deck. You should be testing against, at least to start, what the generally accepted version is so that you have a baseline to compare against. So I guess I'll hand it to you from there, Scott, since you were saying that this is where you think people should start. Yeah, I will say that there are there is a different version that that uses Chop Shop instead of Ransack, but I think that's incorrect. Um, right, I would agree with that. I, I think Ransack's, and we'll get into that, but I think he's just more powerful. It has synergy with the cards in the deck. You'll notice um, uh, this list has, I believe, six blanks, if not seven. Um, it's six right he, now. Yeah, the six yeah. one shell stand, six I still function. Yeah, so I think people. Yeah, I, yeah, I think people. Uh, are scared of that but i think that's definitely correct um and an article i i posted what well, today that we're recording but uh wednesday whatever november 7th um i talk about some of these cards specifically and and their use in tribal they both came up with insecticons um mm-hmm. the other card that i that i really like in this build and is very important is the uh statically is our iron hide yes which i think is key but the the point is and and i reference this in if you go and on VectorSigma.info and you look up my match play Monday morning quarterbacking that I did of a wreck and rule um, match of actually Dinobots versus Insecticons. In the beginning, I referenced um, probably, arguably, the most important trading card game article ever printed um, called Who's the Beatdown? So this article came out for Magic the Gathering, I want to say in like 1998. Um, it was actually on, if, if you're really old, uh, it was on the Magic Dojo, which was like the first competitive <laughs> that, Yeah, I tell people yeah. that and no one has any idea what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. anymore. It makes me feel old. <laughs> um, it, it was after news groups, but but before a lot of the, 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 if you're a Magic player, like there's other sites now that are obviously more po- popular. Um, who's the Beatdown was actually, I guess, quote, purchased uh to be able to be reprinted, so now it's on StarCityGames.com. There's a link to it. We can put it a link in the in the the show notes as well, right? Um, here, but the point of that article, and 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 I I've read it I don't know thirty times because I've used it numerous times in my writing over the years. Um, so, so some I mean obviously I used to be a competitive Magic player. I was probably at some of the events that were mentioned um, in the Mike Flores article. Um, 
some of the card references may not make sense to you, especially if you weren't playing Magic back then, because like the way that these cards interact, well, obviously were dependent on the timing of like when the tournaments he's talking about right. occurred. But the point of the article is when you sit down in a match, you need to understand your role in the game. Um, and I think this is actually something that is not going on with Transformers right now. And I think I think I wasn't doing it in the beginning either. And I've had to take a step back in a lot of my deck building uh, and change things accordingly. So as a meta starts to develop, and this the point of this will wrap back to Insecticons in a second, I, I swear. <laughs> um, so Insecticons have basically established themselves, and if you look at Mark's list, it's pretty obvious why, as as the default aggressive deck or the aggro deck uh, in the format. And yep. obviously because he has, what, I guess 30, well, what, probably, what, like 33, 32 oranges and the rest are, you know, three, probably three whites and the rest are blanks. Yeah. So what, well, 31 are the list he posted has three force fields, one backup plan, and then the six aforementioned null pips. So, so thirty whites, yeah, yeah, no, Which, blues, no it, blues. Obviously, you could swap, you know, a handful of cards around, and then you have all the orange. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I can get into that um, at the closer to the end as we get into like different build that you can do because I've seen other versions that include more blue, which I don't agree with, and I'll explain why. Right. Um, so obviously, by having as many. It should be obvious just by looking at the like a picture of the cards in the deck that this is the, this is an aggressive deck. It has like you know only three force fields and no other way to really um, just to prevent you from doing damage. And the reason for that is because the Insecticons themselves, with the exception of Barrage and Scrapnel, which I'll get into, um, really like Kickback, Ransack, and Chop Shop. If you use them, they can't really take more than one hit from anybody that should be seeing competitive play right um so as a result of that what's the point of trying to keep them alive when you when your margin of being able to keep them alive through battle flips would uh water down the deck so much yep that you don't even try so therefore the best way to build it is was to be the default aggro deck um you know kickback relies on flipping cards barrage has bold too if he's attacking somebody that's damaged shrapnel starts out with five attack and Ransack has a variable of attack that's actually assisted by um, two of the cards in the deck, the Static Laser of Ironhide and the One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall, to make him much more powerful um, than he starts out as. So because this became the default aggro deck, because it has four characters in it, the point of the who's the beatdown and knowing your role in a situation is you need, if you're not playing as the Insecticon deck, you need to understand that th that other deck is going to be more aggressive than you. So knowing that that exists in the field in general, the other decks I see people post that are full of, they may not have 30 oranges, but they certainly have close to that. Yeah. With the assumption that, oh, this game's so easy. If I just flip more oranges on attack, I do more damage. So that's obviously better than defending because what's the point of defending with a bunch of blues? You know, they don't help me on attack and all I want to do is attack. Well, this deck attacks better than you. Yep. In pure combat, other decks have different ways of manipulating the combat phase to where one individual attack may be better. But on the whole, these four bots combined attack for a lot of damage, and they attack efficiently. All the cards in the deck have synergy. So like the orange cards you're using give you bold um, or, or, or interact with having bold. Um, 
I just feel like other decks that are trying to do the same thing, even my original uh, Dinobot list, I've had to change completely because you can't do aggro as well as this. Right. So why tr why try? Um, and that's really where, I, you know, the reason why we started with Insecticons in talking about different deck lists, because this represents one apex of of deck archetypes, which is the, the, the hyper-aggressive deck right now. Um, right. And I think people think it's, quote, unbeatable or the best deck, quote, because they're not adapting their own list to understanding that they're not the most aggressive deck. There's nothing they can do to be more aggressive than this deck. So mm -hmm. you're only hurting yourself by trying. So if I'm hearing you correctly, and I the way people are taking this is they're doing the first half of your analysis. They realize they play a bunch of games. They say, well, Insecticons is all orange. I'll be all orange. And they go, well, I can't beat on Insecticons at being orange. So therefore, Insecticons is unbeatable. Instead of, as you said, actually adapting and saying, okay, well, maybe if I soak one hit from the Insecticons and then I can come back and wipe their board. That's the way to, to beat it, by eating, you know, having just a few more blues and then slowly upping those numbers as appropriate. Yeah, see, the cards, and, and I understand, like, this is obviously a skill in the game, like, you know, mm -hmm. the, the second most important skill, deck building over, you know, next to playing, as I've said, but, like, right. the cards themselves lean you in that direction. So you look at Grimlock. Uh, he seems to want all oranges, right, because he wants to attack for a bunch of damage and then trample through. Well, yep. That's counterproductive if you can't beat Insecticons. Even cards that, you know, you look at like Jetfire, Starscream, these cards that have bold built into them, Rare Prime, like these cards that like flip more cards and get other advantages. Like everyone's like, well, all these cards are just better. If I have bold, then I want more orange. And, and what the point is, is sometimes bold can be used to, to like, you know, oh, three cards down. I doesn't mean you doesn't mean a non all in aggressive deck shouldn't be playing double oranges or shouldn't be playing like you know a, a decent amount of them but sometimes bold can be used to get you just dig deeper during the combat phase to get you a little bit more damage it's not like every single card you flip has to be orange and i think that's what unlike in you know with for insecticons every card mostly is orange but um, there's a reason for that and that's kind right. of where the discussion goes is that not to, you know, again, broken record what you were already saying, but it's not always a if you can't beat them, join them sort of thing. You don't have to try and beat them at their own game. There's a different angle that you can attack the deck from. Yes. And I, I, think, I think porting the battle deck and changing 10 cards from your car list to your Dinobot list to your Insecticon list is just wrong. Yeah. Um, Changing because, Swarm to uh, start your engines is not quite getting it done. Right. I mean, and Swarm is the number one reason there's so many oranges in the deck, by the way. Because, of course. Because the only, the only advantage to having off Swarm is being able to heal damage off Shrapnel. Yeah. Um, to allow him to maybe, you know, get that third, you know, get away from that third um, attack killing him or, or surviving direct damage. Just... I've talked about it nauseum. Yep. Um, and basically making swarm so that on average, something like it's over three the oranges that you'll flip. Right. Um, so that that becomes above the curve uh, in that situation. Right. Um, 
So Swarm is the number one reason why you don't really want to mess with your pips all that often. And I understand that's why, like, you know, having six blanks in the deck can also be looked at as negative, but those blanks to me are just way too much power, too, way too powerful. To be honest, uh, synergistically. I, and it, this is a math thing, but I would be more inclined in my own. Now, my, my version of Insecticons varies probably by, like, three total cards, maybe four from this. Um, nope. But I would be more inclined to cut white cards from it before cutting the blank pips, because they're that important. Yeah, like, I wouldn't play the backup plan, for example. Mm. I would play the four. I mean, and whether you play the force fields to you, um, I think they're probably there for the mirror match, mostly. Right. Um, but that's up to you. Um, so, it- yeah, this deck is basically, this deck is just, pu- like, the deck is pushing the envelope on aggression. And I think what players don't understand is, Guys like Grimlock that say give a Dinobot bold three, it doesn't mean that you have to push aggression as heavily. And I fully admit the first article I posted was a very heavily orange uh, Dinobot list, but I think that's now incorrect. Well, the situation has changed. I mean, and it's Mm -hmm. not a failing, and I think people should think about this and take it to heart. Just because your initial build or what we initially thought about the meta is now different, that's fine. Like, that's not bad. It, in fact, it would be bad if it stayed stagnant. You should be constantly trying to adapt and address whatever the threat that happens to be coming down. Now that we'll call it the correct version of Insecticons has been discovered, and obviously this will morph over time as well, you need to be able to address it. You can't assume that you know your list from three months ago is still going to function appropriately now. Yeah, but to me, it runs role assignment, and you need that's the most important thing you need to understand. Like, I can't see Insecticons morphing themselves into anything that's not still hyper aggressive. Right. I wasn't trying to imply so, all of a sudden you're no, going to no, have no. a, a <laughs> thirty eight blue Insecticon right. build, <laughs> but right. you could see. So, just as an aside, and we'll get into this later, but one of the changes or differences I had is I typically run ramming speed because I don't like the opposing force fields, and I think it leads to quicker KOs being able to do that. It's also mm-hmm. an orange, so it's very easy to do it, but I can certainly see cutting it because, okay, well, if I have kickback, I'm just going to pop your force field anyway. But right, that's a, a larger discussion. So back to your point. Um, I mean... You just have to understand that you're always going to be the, quote, the control deck whenever you play against this deck. Yep. And unfortunately, that actually should, that process needs to begin in the deck construction phase, not just sitting down and playing. If you if you read who's the beatdown, a lot of what he talks about is, it's a mindset when you sit down, there isn't much you can do with your deck at that point. It's how you play the game you need to get, you need to get. You know, card advantage. If you're going to be the control deck, like you know, you need to, you need to make sure that you're running your opponent out of resources faster, mm-hmm. because once they're out of resources, they won't be as efficient. Things like that, like things that can still apply to this game versus um, more resource intensive games like Magic. I think that role, uh, the points he makes are still valid. Right. Um, the difference here, though, is so much of what goes into that happens in the deck construction phase that you just need to understand that as you're building the deck as well as playing it. Right. So it may hurt you in other matchups where you need to be the aggressive deck, but 
that can you should be able to make that up in a playstyle thing as the other deck versus the, you know you know you can't be the most aggressive deck so don't stop trying to be in the metagame not just like at that one moment in time yep think of it like a continuum control being to the left aggression being to the right this is all the way to the right so it's almost off know, the chart <laughs> based on the way it's built so so stop trying to like be only one or two ticks to the left of it like you need to move yourself a little bit further down the curve right it, it's a deck that because of the aggression so to circle back to the initial things that i was saying about prefacing the discussion so if we assume that this is as aggressive a deck can possibly be which by all accounts i can't imagine there's going to be something more than this with the card pool we have of course obviously when new sets right. come out it's going to change but sure the question people need to ask when they sit down both to build a deck and when they sit down across from an insecticon build who has inevitability how are you going to survive the onslaught because you again this is going to be a gauntlet deck you know that you're going to be playing against something probably within five or six cards of this and because of the, the way this game functions you're going to potentially see their entire deck so you may see those tech choices you know are they they flipped a ramming speed okay well i know they they ha they run those versus they flip over whatever and it ends up in the scrapyard so that you can actually see what's going on you're not gonna like scott was saying and as who's the beatdown describes you're only going to be able to adjust so much once you're physically at the table you need to take that into consideration as you're building decks and for all the people that are saying well it's just sleeve up every orange card i own this is the reason that you can't do that you have to actually take a step back and look at it and consider how do i actually survive one attack to get the chance to try and counterattack. right so to call attention to a couple different things that that scott card wise that you had brought up in one of the you brought up in your uh plane article right the, with the static laser was that yep. the first place that you pointed that out yeah so that there's a both that and one shell stand one shell fall because you brought it up earlier that you wanted to talk about ransack specifically especially i think with regard to chop shop because I'm in agreement that Chop Shop is the inferior Insecticon, I guess ignoring Bombshell for the moment. Um, yeah. I don't really see any reason to run Chop Shop basically at all um, in well, place there is, of one of these. This, so there is a reason, um, sort of. So first of all, he also combos with uh, Static Laser, like the two damage won't happen at all. That's true. Because, so there is, I mean... Static laser to me should be in the deck regardless. Let's yes. just put it that way. No matter which of these guys you're using, it just happens to have more synergy with Ransack. I just think these bots are going to be one-shotted anyway, and them taking two damage to trade for three attack is huge uh, in these type of builds. The only character I probably wouldn't put it on. I mean, I wouldn't put it on Strapthorn. I wouldn't put it on Barrage. It, yeah. So, but, I mean, either of the other two can wield this regardless, in my opinion. Um, the reason... The only reason to use Chop Shop is because one of the ways to combat Insecticons is to make... Um, they... So... They... 
they only ha- there's a, you can possibly put them in a where their third attack of four can be very weak. So typically the way they play out is uh, Shrapnel transforms an attack so that he eats no damage on the way back, right? right. If, if, if they go first. Right. If they don't go first, you probably want to attack Shrapnel as long as you can do four damage to him reliably, and you want to do that as best as possible if you're Absolutely, the, yeah. the first player. Yeah. Um, so then the... So again, we'll stick on the theme that Shrapnel attack first in their own play. The second attack that's safe is normally kickback because he gets all that semi-bold ability and, and there's nothing preventing him from um, attacking any other way. Like You don't usually want to leave Barrage. Even even if you like want to can attack a damaged guy, typically like you can attack with Barrage if you want because he'll get his bold too usually if you're attacking the same character. But he's very vulnerable. Yeah, but the thing is, like, if first they go first, you're you're rarely going to attack with the guy that got damaged. So barrage doesn't have a target. So that I guess that's the situation. So if for some that's reason, like, true. yeah, so you shouldn't be attacking with that guy to give barrage the target. So let's assume you you, you play it smart and you don't give barrage the target. Um, the only safe attack they have <clears throat> is either chop shop, who would who is clearly inferior, but in this situation he's able with his full power because there's he always attacks for what he has there's nothing you can really do other than steal other you know get transfer weapons over to him um or you attack with kickback which is what typically happens in this situation right so now if your guy dies or you use an untapping effect um or you somehow yeah i guess if we had a tapping or you heal him to full now their third attack is awkward because Barrage doesn't get his bold too, and Ransack mm. probably has no damage on him. So this is where you can seize the tempo back from them, is making their third attack be um, not as efficient. And that's actually, that's the only situation I can see where, where Chop Shop gives you that third attacker that like doesn't care what right. you do, because he's not, he's not ideal, but in this one situation, he can attack freely, where Ransack mm. probably won't do much. Unless, to, again, you have the Ironhide Laser or the one shell stand. Right. Ball. To me, I feel like that is enough of an edge case. I get definitely the logic of what you're saying, and in playing Insecticons, that's absolutely true. You get to that third attack, and it feels weird under ordinary circumstances. It, it sometimes can be clunky to get things powered up the way you want it. But Especially considering this list, so you're running three swarms, you're running three zaps, you're running three one shell stand, one shell fall. Uh, it, you could potentially run additional direct damage if you really wanted to go that route. Uh, I don't think enabling barrage is too difficult. I, I guess, yes, you are correct in what you were saying, but I don't think it's worth, and from what you've said, I think you agree that it's not worth cutting ransack for chop shop it's not but but i will say that there were games in testing before the tournament i played in last time when we were testing that basically what happened during that third turn is how the game played out if they if the insecticon deck could not make an efficient attack then you won right so you wanted to do whatever you could possible to to make that attack be not as efficient, which normally means barrage not getting turned on 
right or ransack not having any damage on him like don't you know i guess like in a mirror match like don't play your own swarm before you attack things like that like, exactly. don't they don't draw iron high blaster they don't draw one one shall stand one shall fall like they don't they don't have like you know ways to put damage on them yeah. um so that's where some ways of combating this came into play which is mostly you know use of untapping effects or or leaving them with with guys that they don't want to attack as often uh, came into play. And that makes sense. I definitely agree with you that that is the... It, based on this list, it is the appropriate counterplay to how to try and shut this deck down. Obviously, assuming you don't do something weird like you're running photon bombs and then you're you know just hoping you draw them kind of thing. Yeah, and the chop shot comes from... A, from what I've seen where I've had the conversation with people, it comes from a wrong standpoint to begin with, to be honest with you. It comes from I'm playing Power Sword and I want to move my Power Sword on the Chop Shop to give it a second attack. You shouldn't be playing Power Sword anyway. So right. we should end the conversation right there. Like you're already two steps beyond where I wouldn't even include any of these cards. So right. like you're you're like like you're you're throwing money bad like you know in poker like you're going all in with a, with not an ideal hand like you're chasing you're chasing basically like you're chasing the use of of using worse cards right um you know i know leap into battle feels great when you play it out of hand but let me tell you when it doesn't feel great is when you attack or when you flip it to a swarm yeah swarming so, it feels super bad so two two of the three ways are actively bad in this deck i don't mean like oh, it's okay, like, you know, because when I defend with my one defense, now suddenly I have two. Like, that's not relevant Yeah, 90% of the time because of how low the hit points are. Of course. Um, so I know it feels good when you play out of hand, but you have to understand that that, that only happens, like, I think something like 40-something percent of the time that you're going to draw it throughout the course of the game. Right. And you may not even be able to play it because you may be better action to play. Exactly. So, like, realistically, it's got to be less than 40% that you actually get to play that hand mm. in any one match. Um, it's, it has more use out of the deck. Yeah. And the more blues you add, the worse, the more watered down the deck's going to be, to be honest with you. So let me ask you this, because I already know the answer, but uh, <laughs> it's... because it, Well, I know the answer that I would say, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and feel confident that you would say the same thing. To all the people out there that would say, oh, well, null pips are just as bad when you're attacking. Why not run Power Sword in one of the six null pip slots? You want to explain why those are so important for this? Uh, because those two null cards are insane in this deck. Yes. Um, so One Shell Stand, One Shell Fall has clear um, synergy with Ransack. Um, put three damage on him. Put whoever what, um, and Barrage as well on a pinch. Right. I mean, or even kickback. Who cares? It's going to die anyway. Oh, yeah. Point. Yeah. Um, you just don't want to put it on trap. But, like, any of the other three, you know, on fine targets. This is by far the best. Well, it's tied with Dinobots as to how good um, I Still Function is in this deck. And I wrote about this in the article today. Mm -hmm. um, I do think one sh I do think I Still Function is... is too overused in a lot of different decks, but it's specifically this deck in Dinobots where it shines. Because of the point is the point of I still function is that the bot itself needs to be powerful on its own. Right. 
as an attacker. And as we've already talked about, all the Insecticons are powerful on their own as attackers. So, like, getting Kickback back, no disadvantage from the attack side. Getting um, Ransack back is obviously ideal. Of course. I mean, to me, it's probably the only chance you have of attacking with him for 7 damage because I I can't... Im- it's no one, so yeah, bad. No one is playing into that. Even <laughs> right. Even the first person, like you play your first game, you sit down, you pick up Ransack, and you read that card, and you go, "Yeah, I'm not touching that. <laughs> not right. with a ten foot pole. It's staying over right. there." <laughs> so, the way to get him to seven attack function, which is obviously like you when you play I still function, you want to get a significant amount of damage, and both yeah. kickback and Ransack do us, and even barrage to an extent do a significant amount of damage. Um, and then in a corner case scenario, you can even bring back um, Shrapnel and use his ability or just use his ability on a different guy that you bring back. If you need to tap like a rare prime or a nemesis prime or something, that's like re- definitely going to one shot one of your guys. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see the use for that. Um, but really there's no downside to kickback or ransack um, other than those guys may not be dead, but I mean, and this is another, I don't like using Chop Shop because bringing him back to I still function uh, pretty much does nothing. So. Yeah, you do not feel good about that at all. Because <laughs> he's even if he steals a weapon, that weapon's going away. So like, there's no point. Yeah. To doing that, it's actually probably hurts you. Exactly. So, um, this is another point for the, I still function is by far the best. I still function and one shell stand, which are by far the best points for playing ransack over Chop Shop. Yep. Um. So, um. Yeah, it, it, they're they're both very very powerful cards in this deck, and I understand that they they may flip and do nothing in both to swarm and to attack, but they're just too good. Yeah, and it, it, we've said it before, just real quick. The there's a humongous difference between leap and one shell stand. So one is giving plus three attack, and you could I because I'm kind of hearing the arguments in my head of oh well, it's a blue, it's a null, it's the same on attack. They both do three. But there's a big difference between plus three attack and actually just straight up doing three damage. Especially in this scenario where either you're benefiting from the self-damage or you literally don't care. Exactly. Kickback is going to eat it whether they do the 10 damage right off the bat or, or whatever he needs, or they're doing 150 damage because the Dinobots went bold insanity. You know, right. It, it doesn't right. matter the three damage, so... All, everybody actually helps you. It actually helps you with the ransack, so. Exactly. Yeah, so you definitely want to include these. There, there's really no excuse not to. Uh, and I can't imagine much changing my mind about that at this point. Like, these are staple cards for this deck. Yeah. Same with the Iron Hunt Blazer. Exactly. Yeah, it, there's just way too much synergy. And like we were saying earlier, and Scott was elaborating on that. This is your pinnacle aggro deck. You're going to be very hard pressed. I, I can't imagine anything out aggroing it. And you need to try and take that into account for a lot of stuff. So, is, is there anything else you want to cover bug wise before we close up shop? We can just talk about how to combat. Sure. Um, since that seems to be on top of people's mind. Um, Obviously, if you get to go first, you should, and you feel like you have the, and I can't imagine you won't um, have the ability to do at least four to shrapnel. You want to do that as best as possible. Um, I can't imagine a situation where flipping him on turn one, whether they go first or second, is 
incorrect, so that, that's probably always going to be the play. Right. Um, I guess unless he's just going to die anyway, and people feel like uh, well, I'm wasting a transform, but I doubt that. Right. Um, so you always want to make sure that's there. You want to actually. So you need to identify. What's very important for them is I is it's like it is for anything is target identification. Um, you need to kill Barrage earlier rather than later um, because he's a threat at all phases of the game. Whereas um, Ransack needs um, help to become a true threat. Um, and right. Kickback is more variable and not very kill. Like, I mean, typically you're going to kill Kickback during the first combat round regardless, uh, but Barrage you may not because of his 11 hit points. Right. So he can typically be, like, priority number two after Shrapnel, usually. I mean, unless you can one-shot Kickback right. uh, pretty reliably. But the thing you want to do is, as best as possible, you want to keep as many of them alive until you're able to somehow kill more than one in a turn. And I'll, by, by killing more than one in a turn, I don't just mean through, like, Grimlock, which is obviously one solution, but I mean through direct damage. So, like, if you leave a guy one hit point and your action phase is zapping that guy and then you attack and kill another guy, that's ideal. Right. Because um, you want to make their eye still functions worse. Um, so if they lose two guys instead of just losing one, obviously, um, you got some advantage out of it. So you want to hold much of your... You want to be able to have... You want your turns to be just as large as their turns are in terms of like killing guys. So you want right. as best as possible kill the more than one guy in a turn. Don't put damage on ransack. You can avoid it. You know, don't. You know, don't. Don't just keep attacking shrapnel because like you're annoyed by him. You know, find other ways to deal with him. A lot of times for direct damage. Um, Often I found he's the one that will be sitting at one health because yeah, you get in turn one, maybe one other attack. Depending on what you're playing, you may have like I I have flame war in a lot of go tall builds. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I might as well run her into shrapnel because I'm not going to say run rare optimus into him. That, that's just a waste. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, don't don't waste attacks. Yeah, um, is is a big part of it. But you know, I think one thing to understand is like I, I believe, and I talked. With when we talked about the action cards, I continue to talk about an article. Like I believe that direct damage is being underplayed, and direct damage effects are being underplayed, mm. even even as simple as zap. And you know, cards like incoming transmission are ubiquitous in every single deck that's out there. So like, even if you don't have a zap in your hand and you get trapped down to six, like you're going to draw it over the course of the game, yep. probably because if you have no card draw in your hand in your deck, like that's like it, that's probably impossible like yeah to me i don't play a lot of card draw but i like play incoming transmission so i can probably get into a zap if i really need to yep um you know just the point is against them is don't waste attacks yeah and you're gonna draw into what you need um eventually but definitely look to play more direct damage effects or direct damage action cards or like you know arm hovercraft things like that in your deck um you, you can know, definitely you're, you're, play to outs so. against this deck with those sort of things. So to use the the Scrapnel Flame War example again, if you can tack in when he's in alt mode, maybe, like I said, a Flame War level character where it's not, if you're a go-tall build, but he's going to sit at that one health for a while. There's no reason to waste, like you're saying, another attack. Just go punch something else 
you'll see that zap eventually, and then you can set up those multi-kill turns where, okay, you just clear half their board or three things off their board, depending on what you play, uh, because you've been able to spread the damage to appropriate targets. Obviously yeah. not Ransack. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. You, you want to typically, if you have to two attack down broad, it's fine. If you have to, if for some, like if you're four wide, if you have to two attack down kickback, it's fine. It's not ideal. Um, but right. obviously you, you want to try to one shot Ransack as best as possible. And you know, you're going to take extra turns um, against Shrapnel anyway. So it should be fine. So let me ask you this, because this, um, is probably something that a lot of people out there are asking. How much do you try and play around I still function? Like, do you operate under the assumption that they always have it and ca and calculate in your head, okay, well, if I pop this guy, he's just coming back next turn for one more try? Or do you just assume they don't have it? It's only relative to me on kickback and, and uh, ransack. Right. There's nothing I can really do about... Like, Barrage coming back, yes, it's like 7 damage normally. There's nothing I can really do about that. Bringing back, but bringing back, um, or I guess it's probably 9 damage or whatever. So, yeah. um, Shrapnel's like 7. So, like, there's only so much you can do. I mean, I'm not going to play, like, uh, like the get get the action out of their hand, card disruptive entrance or disruptive, whatever the, the one yeah. is. Like, I'm not going to, like, like I said before, like, you want to possibly kill multiple guys in a turn. If they, I still function back a guy, you want to make sure that they're still in a situation where, okay, well, if I still function this guy back, all my guys are going to be untapped. So then you you may lose a guy to it, but you you get the choice of who to attack back, and that can be to your advantage. Yep. You want to make I still function into basically just like a ready for action, which is as best as possible, which is not as good in that situation. So um, there's nothing you can do about it. I usually assume they have it. I try not to kill like ransack as best as possible. I try not to kill like I have. You have to kill kickback. There's nothing you can do if they get them back. Yeah. Um. You know, like I said, as best as possible, you just want to make sure that you can try to kill two guys at the same time, and that usually requires you playing direct damage or you setting up for where you're the last person to attack. So I know, and that can be difficult, but like you know, cars and decks that use ready for action, you put them or you know four wide of your own to you put yourself in a situation where you have multiple attackers at the end instead of them and you may be able to kill two guys Makes sense. Uh, during a turn and that's the best way in my opinion to, you cancel I still function if all they get out of it is an attack and no ability and their guys are still like you still get the pick of the litter as to who you want to attack back right? because they have no tapped guy because their tapped guy goes away at the end of the turn to I still function so it's not as efficient that way um, but yeah, I usually just assume my opponents have it. There's nothing I can do. I can't leave kickback to attacking for a second time anyway. I'd rather them use a card effect to do it. So, so it would be accurate to say just don't play into the blowout. I guess, like don't yeah, allow you ransack. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you assume that they have it, they could get back kickback. At least take a minute to consider the sequencing for attacks, I guess, to make sure that you're maximizing the value because if they're going to be having a guaranteed kill on the way back, then just make sure that it's at the time that you're willing to soak that hit. Yeah, like it's better to suit up a guy that's worse in general than run your best guy out there to without using cards in your hand because you want to hold it for some other reason. Right. Like I'd rather use a grenade launcher on, you know... 
like a prowl to kill somebody than use my wheel jack without and hold a grenade launcher in my hand for some other like to kill barrage later like it, it's probably just better just to kill a guy with prowl leave him as the target and then hold wheel jack back for example yep. same thing with like Gr- grimlock unless you have your own eye still functions makes sense and but that's another thing you can you can you can play cards and to me the best bots against it because we haven't really mentioned that we only kind of mentioned cards or like grimlock nemesis prime uh wheeljack super rare bumblebee rare prime um to me as long as these characters as long as these are in three character lists these are generally to me the best bots against insecticons Mm -hmm. um because uh they're able to like nemesis has a whole nemesis and bumblebee have huge pools bumblebee can obviously attack whoever he wants um nemesis usually smashes them in one hit after a time optimus usually can play direct damage to kill the two guys in one turn which you want yep um wheeljack's just a giant attacker um you know these to me are the characters you want to be using against them as best as possible and if you're not using these see like your their bots are better your deck may be better but like in synergistically but one-on-one it's these uh, bots are efficient so yep yeah definitely all makes sense and uh so any other topics you want to cover before we got to call on the exterminator to get rid of all the bugs no the big thing is it's scary as you think it just it requires a different way of building and a different way of thinking and right like i said you know it's number it's it's at the highest end of one continuum so treat it as such and stop trying to copy it yeah you definitely have to come up with your own game plan because you're not likely to beat the insecticons at theirs you gotta come at it from a different angle and it's yeah without rehashing everything that's it pretty much sums up the deck both playing it and playing against it you need to be aware of it so yep. if you're going to go to those local events that we talked about at the top that we hope everybody is talking to their stores about, make sure that, you know, y- you may need some raid or, you know, anti-bug of choice because you're probably going to see four bugs sitting across from you at some point. So yeah, it only has one, one rare bot. Yep. So uh, I guess to close out, Scott, we already know you and we love all the content you're putting out on VectorSigma.info. You had mentioned before that a new article just went up today, the 7th. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Where can people find you? Anything along those lines? Uh, VectorSigma.info on Facebook. Um, I'll be at PAX Unplugged. Um, you hit me up in regular Facebook groups. Um, uh, VectorSigma.info at gmail.com. Had some people hit me up there. Um, I'm on the Reddit as AU Star Wars. Pretty much anywhere you see Transformers, I'm usually around. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check all that stuff out. Let us know content-wise, technical-wise, how we did. Because like we said, we were trying a little bit different setup. What people think of the new overlay. Uh, You should see the Twitter for both myself, RandThoughtPod, and also VectorSigmaI for Scott on the overlay but we're going to have all the contact info for all the stuff that scott was talking about and where you can find all random thoughts content in the show notes so definitely check that out as i said hit us up with any feedback 
we're going to try and go through more of these decks, more strategies. We're, we have an event that we're this weekend that we're probably going to talk about um, coming up since there is a holiday in America very soon. Uh, we are probably going to have some interesting scheduling for the next for the remainder of the month. We'll put it that way. So yeah. we'll definitely put everything out in all the usual places. But as I said, hit us up with some feedback. Let us know what we're doing well, what we're doing poorly, what you'd like to see, what you'd like to hear. And with that, I think we'll close up shop. Until next time, tune in for some more random thoughts. Thanks.